Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. It is Tuesday. That means it's actually bonus scoop time with our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News and Scoop uh, Podcast fame here on Score North. Zolgat, executive producer, Declan Goff. And uh, Doogie, let's start here. Let's start in what transpired in Philadelphia last night. Uh, coming off a very impressive opening week win against the Packers at home, the Vikings, with great expectations, go to Philly and get absolutely drubbed. And I will say this. We now get to see how this team, and in particular Kevin O'Connell, operates when facing adversity. Because up until now, it's been a theory. Now we get to really find out as the Vikings prepare for the Lions. Here it is, Judd. We've been saying it for a while. It will happen, adversity. How will they handle it? They are not practicing tomorrow, which to me is very interesting. Now they will gather tomorrow, Wednesday, in Egan. It will be a normal day, but they just won't be on the practice field. So that, to me, is pretty interesting. Nonetheless, they'll get a practice day in on Thursday, practice day in on Friday, Mm. and play the Lions at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday. But yeah, like Judd, as good as they were in week one, like flip it to the other side, right? That's how atrocious they were last night. It's yet another reminder. I bring this up, you know, darn near almost every conversation we have, but it's the beauty of sports. Yep. The unpredictability, right? Like, who the heck foresaw that taking place last night? Now, some people might say Kirk Cousins doesn't play well in prime time when especially he's playing a pretty good team. Like, he wasn't playing the Bears on Monday Night Football. I know that he had won two consecutive Monday Night games against the lowly Bears. This isn't the lowly Bears. But, yeah, Judd, I mean, outside of some special teams, you know, positive plays like – there wasn't a whole lot to to cling to last night, right? Like, did, did Neil Hunter play? Zadarius Smith made maybe one play. Cam Dancer Sr. made some plays, but then got benched later on. Yeah. Harrison Smith is currently in the concussion protocol. Does Adam Thielen play for this team, even though he was targeted a bunch late but wasn't targeted the first three quarters? That was just a weird one. C.J. Ham only playing three offensive snaps. You know, Jalen Rager was a bigger part of the offense last night than C.J. Ham, Dalvin Cook, not being able to do anything. Yep. Yeah, I just I didn't see that one coming, Judd. I wasn't shocked that Philadelphia won, but how they won, right? That right. to me is what should be very depressing today for Vikings fans. So let's start, uh, Dukes, with the first half. The defense was absolutely in the first two quarters atrocious. Um, 
here's what I saw. And I think it's going to be a problem against teams with speed, i.e. the Dolphins, Eagles, teams like that. A lot of these players who are aging on defense look old and slow. I'm talking about the linebackers, unfortunately. I'm talking about Patrick Peterson at times. I'm talking about Harrison Smith at times. Um, And look, if you're playing a team that has a drop-back QB, you're probably okay. But if you're playing Tua or Jalen Hurts or really a growing number of teams that can try and beat your defensive scheme with speed, unless you make changes, I don't know that you have enough young athletic players to keep up. I agree. I mean, I would add Josh Allen, that game at Buffalo in a few weeks. Best of luck with that one. Good point. New Orleans has speed. But Jameis Winston, I just don't know if he's capable of not throwing the ball directly to a white or purple jersey on that Sunday morning in London. I guess Sunday afternoon, London time, Sunday morning, our time on October 2nd. But New Orleans has guys that are capable of running right by that Vikings defensive backfield. I'm with you, Judd. I mean, that was a concern we had entering the year, right? I mean, we had concerns about the offensive line, Mm -hmm. the interior of the offensive line, which so far to me, Hasn't been a train wreck. It's had its issues, right? But I don't think it's been a train wreck. But we also had question marks about the secondary. Those questions are rearing their ugly heads right now. I don't know who exactly screwed up on the long touchdown, right, that that made it, I guess, at that point, what, 14 nothing. Cam Bynum. I don't know if that was, I think it was Bynum. Bynum or, well, somebody told me postgame it was Cam Dantzler, that it was Dantzler Sr., that – that had a breakdown there. But, I mean, on film, it looks like, you know, in the moment, it looked like it was Cam Bynum, but I'm not even sure it was Bynum. Nonetheless, like, that was a breakdown. That just can't happen. All the space. Like, I thought I was watching the Packers defending Justin Jefferson again, (laughs) right? The way the Vikings were defending A.J. Brown, how much space he had at times. Devontae Smith, all the space he had at times. I'm with you on the linebackers. I thought Kendricks missed some tackles last night. I thought Hicks missed some tackles on one of those Hurts touchdown runs. Hicks got run right through. Like, that, to me, was really, really concerning. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we said, hey, if this defense can just find a way to be middle of the pack, right? we're not necessarily expecting top 10, but you can't be 27th or 28th again. Merely find a way to be 14th, 17th, 16th. Maybe 17th is a stretch, but... Somewhere in that, you know, 10 to 15 range, Yes, this team can win 10 or 11 games. The schedule is favorable. They can find a way to get back to the playoffs for the first time in a few years. But, like, if last night is any sort of tell for a bunch of games moving forward, Judd, those people back in February and March who said, strip this thing down, they should have hired Ryan Poles, not Quasi Adolfo Mensa. Like, those people will have all the ammo they need that this core just won't be able to do it. But I'm not there yet, Judd. I need to I see a lot more yes. before I would jump to any sort of conclusion. But I'm just telling you, there are people in that camp. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, those people today are very loud saying, see, this is what I told you. This core can't do it. They should have stripped this thing down. They're delaying the inevitable. On the quarterback, this to me um is going to be so interesting to watch, Dukes, because of this. The Vikings, and especially KOC, is banking on the fact that he can take Kirk and make Kirk into 
the quarterback he wants, which would be, you know, a successful playoff run type of guy. But, you know, what we saw last night was when things go, go bad, and that was a muddy, ugly game. Like, that was not a that was not a um, aesthetically pleasing game. Uh, but when things went bad, and Philadelphia kept trying to give you chances, interception, block kick, penalties, uh, you know, to say, hey, Vikings, stick around here. Kirk melted down. And, and I'm very curious to see because it's going to be all of 2022, but how much time is given by KOC and Quazy to say, you know what, we're going to stick with this because I maintain, and until I'm proven wrong, won't back off of, I think Kirk can win games. I think Kirk can get you to the playoffs probably. I don't think Kirk can get you close to a championship. And this is where, like to me, this becomes such an interesting, almost experiment to watch between coach and quarterback. Well, I'm with you. I mean, I think that is the ceiling that they are not touching a game in early February, but can they touch the second weekend or third weekend in January? Sure. Can Kirk lead them to 10, 11 wins? Sure. His leash is plenty long, Judd. Like, they're not going to Nick Mullins or anything like right. that anytime soon. So, I mean, you sort of answered it yourself, but the leash certainly is the duration of this season, presuming health, as long as he's healthy, he will be the guy. But yeah, I mean, the Vikings had the ball inside Philadelphia's 30-yard line four times in the second half last night. Mm-hmm. They didn't score. Like, that can't happen. Not like I'm breaking news with that take, but like, what? Right. Like, uh, the interception, the jump ball to Justin Jefferson. It looked like Jefferson was looking for the ball back shoulder, and he's throwing like a fade. Like, I don't know how those two weren't on the same page. On that one, on the first interception, that was on Jefferson. So clearly something happened there. Jefferson took the blame post game, and I understand that that wasn't necessarily on Kirk. But, like, you wonder about feeling, right? I mean, That's Adam a- said all the right things post game, yes. but I like where you're let's going. keep an eye on that situation. Yep. Like, I said I would have run to his locker. We know Adam well enough. We know those close to Adam well enough. Like, okay, maybe it's a one-week sort of situation, maybe even two going back to Green Bay, just lack of targets. But, like, if this thing continues the way it's going, trust me, (laughs) that situation is going to be worth monitoring. Adam is not going to tolerate not getting any targets until a fourth quarter. I agree completely, and that's one that – so so I I like what they're doing with Justin, and he's good enough to justify that. All of that being said, you are correct. Like there are going to be guys who want touches, and and if you play as poorly as the team did last night, they're probably going to be justified themselves, right? I think Dalvin had what six rushes last night, eleven total. Like I was always, I was not a fan of Zim's whole thing of let's just ground and pound, but when you come off a road game in which you have eleven rushing attempts, including six by your best running back. Something went incredibly wrong. So, like, there are there are a lot of what I would call small red flags from last night that will be very interesting to watch against Detroit on Sunday, and then, just as importantly, the next time that they go into a tough environment. Because that was not, just from a starting point, Dukes, that was not a well-coached game. They were not prepared. Like, that's my thought. They were not prepared for that game. No, I mean, what was that timeout at the end of the first half? Was Kevin O'Connell not watching what 
we were watching. And by the way, this is the person on Sunday night on Channel 5 who said, I am grateful that the Vikings did not hire Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. After watching a good amount of Denver-Houston. Now, Denver won that game on Sunday. But more hiccups from Nathaniel Hackett because the word is he impressed the Vikings brass. He was the first guy to interview for the head coaching job. Mm-hmm. Denver just happened to move faster, made him an offer. He accepted the offer. But the Vikings were fans of Nathaniel Hackett, which might be a little troubling. Yes. But, yeah, like I said on TV on Sunday night, I'm grateful for Kevin O'Connell. Then last night, like that timeout at the end of the first half, that can't happen. Like, was he watching his defense the duration of that half? What made him think his defense was going to get off the field? Like, that was that was a weird one. I mean, yep. he pretty much handed them three points. I thought I was watching one of the meltdowns from last year at the end of a half. Yeah. Right? That was just odd. All the three and outs. Right? I mean, sure, when you touch on, you know, Dalvin's lack of touches, or I'm touching on Thielen's lack of targets, but they had, what, three three and outs in the first half? They had another possession where there was a penalty that resulted in a first down, but they didn't gain another first down, so it was like four plays, and they were out technically not a three and out, but it was a short drive. So, I mean, that was four of the drives in the first half, and they had the touchdown drive, but, like, the tight ends were being targeted. I mean, that's what Adam's going to say, or maybe at least tell people privately, look, Johnny Monk got those targets. Irv Smith Jr. got those targets. Hey, look at me. I'm out here. I've been on the field. I was on the field for a bunch of snaps. Kirk, what's going on? Throw the ball my way. So I'm just saying, certainly a situation to keep an eye on. Exactly right. Okay, more scoops. Wolves start training camp, I believe, next week. Um, What's going on there as they get set to open what – I believe their second official training camp with Chris Finch and two and a half years now with him as coach. Yes. So they open up one week from today. Media day is next Monday at Mayo Clinic Square. Then the first official day of training camp next Tuesday, September 27th. Informally, most of the guys are in town. Like they're working out probably as we speak on Tuesday afternoon at Mayo Clinic Square This weekend, though, a lot of guys heading out of town, going to visit family, friends. Then they will come back Sunday night. So a lot of guys bailing town Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, Friday morning, then coming back Sunday night. Like, I was trying to line up an interview with Luca Garza, and it may not work out just because Luca's going out to California to see his grandpa. But, like, I was told the Wolves are doing stuff all day, then they have some team bonding stuff they are doing at night. So, like, it is a busy time, even though it's informal. It's a busy time for, for Wolves players. They also will do a lot of bonding middle of the preseason. They have two games in Los Angeles against the Clippers and Lakers where there's, like, a four- or five-day separation. So they'll be out in L.A. for, like, four, five, six days out west. There might be a game in the mix there in Vegas, too. But anyway, there's going to be ample amount of time to bond during the preseason. But yeah, the opener less than a month away, Mm. October 19th, the opener against OKC. So it's that time of year, the wild on the ice for the first time, this training camp come Thursday. So it's all, it's all ramping up. Wolves training camp roster is pretty much set. I do wonder, I brought this up when I sat down with Chris Finch last week, if at some point they look to bring in another ball handler, but he told me, Hey, you know, outside of D'Lo and Jordan McLaughlin, yep. You know, Austin Rivers is capable of handling the ball. Jalen Noel, Anthony Edwards, even Kyle Anderson. That, that Finchie feels like he's he's got some options. But 
that would be a position if if they bring in anybody, make a move with the training camp roster at some point, mm-hmm. like maybe keep an eye on that. But as far as I can tell, with PJ Dozier now, with Luca Garza, with the two two way guys, Pascal and Lawson, with CJ Ellaby, I believe they're at twenty. And I can double check that. Maybe they're at nineteen. Maybe they can add one more body. I should know that top of my head. But I feel like with the PJ Dozier move, they might be at twenty. That's another sneaky good move, Judd. Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets said after they lost in April to the Golden State Warriors after that last playoff game, he said, hey, okay, yeah, we missed Jamal Murray. We missed Michael Porter Jr. Don't forget, we missed P.J. Dozier. He had left ACL reconstruction surgery in early December. So he's not quite 100%, but he'll be on the court. But, like, there was a report going back to June that he was fully cleared. I'm not convinced He's all the way cleared, but he's just about cleared, you know, being about nine and a half, ten months removed. But, like, he's a guy who can guard multiple positions. He has a history with Tim Connolly in Denver to get him on an Exhibit 10 contract. Mm -hmm. Now, Judd, he may never play a minute for the Wolves, right? I mean, it's an uphill battle when you're not on a standard NBA contract. Right. But to get that guy for training camp for the preseason to at least have a chance to fight and make the roster as the 15th guy – like, that's a sneaky good signing. really is. Like, you look at some of these moves, these these outlier-type moves, but, like, C.J. Ellaby started 28 games for Portland last year. And I get it. Portland was a train wreck. But you still need to do something to earn 28 starts in this league. Luca Garza is in phenomenal shape. Like, you know, those close to him feel like – I'm not making the Kevin Love suggestion or comparison, but, like, he's got a little – a sliver of Kevin Love's game – in him. I still think, I mean, go back to what you saw at Iowa. Like, you mean to tell me Luca Garza is not an NBA player mm-hmm. with that offensive skill set? The late Flip Saunders always used to tell me a guy better have at least one NBA skill when he enters the league. Well, Luca's got that skill. It's scoring, right? It's shooting slash scoring. Just the ability to put the ball in the hoop, right? Now, I don't think Luca's going to make the Wolves, but I'm just saying to have Luca Garza down with the Iowa Wolves, develop down there. If the need arises, bring him up here. Like, that's a sneaky good move. So, like, we were all wondering about depth after the Rudy Gobert trade. The Wolves have as much depth as they've ever had. This is this is a plenty deep team. Like, even though they stripped the roster semi-bare, you know, on the fringes with that Gobert trade, mm-hmm. no concern concerns in terms of depth. depth. Uh, Dukes, if I ask you to, uh, right now, pour a glass of Wolves Kool-Aid, how how high would you pour it? Like, because there, there's excitement here. It looks like a good team. Um, they've disappointed us before. What is your excitement or thought process on how good this team in particular can be? Well, I mean, I'd overpour because it's all about making money. The Vegas over-under is 48.5 or 49.5 wins. Mm-hmm. I'm taking the over. It's a favorable early schedule. Like, there are going to be hiccups. By the way, Rudy Gobert once touches. I can tell you that from people close to Rudy. He's not coming here to be a screen setter and the unreal defensive player that we know. Like, he wants legit offensive touches. The Wolves know that. Chris Finch knows that. Finch plans on using him in that regard. But is there enough basketball for Gobert, for Cat, for Ant, for D'Lo? D'Lo, yeah. Right? So, I mean, it's going to be an adjustment. But the schedule is so favorable early, they can overcome some of those issues. I'm not suggesting they'll start the season 10-0, and 12-0, anything crazy like that. 
but they should be able to win most of their first 10, 11, 12 games. Like they should be nine and three, 10 and two. And at that point, maybe they've figured out a lot of their issues, not all, but a lot of their issues where they should be well on their way to winning 50 games or 51 or 52. Their stated goal is top four in the Western Conference, get home court advantage in the first round. Mm -hmm. They feel like they have a roster capable of doing that. I'm not suggesting the first seed or the second seed. I still really like the Warriors and the Clippers. And heck, I think Denver with a healthy Murray, healthy Porter Jr. should be pretty good. My buddy Ryan Saunders, I know, is pumped to be out in Denver to start training camp next week. So the Western Conference is uber competitive, not to mention Memphis and some other teams, although Jaron Jackson Jr. out for a couple months still. So Memphis will will certainly miss him. But the Western Conference, you know, as deep as ever. I mean, it's been trending this way for a few years. Right. Like last year, I think I said, it's as deep as ever. Well, now fast forward a year. It's deeper? It's that much deeper. Yeah, well, because Sacramento's that much better. New Orleans is that much better. Yeah, I do like now, there are some teams, Houston, OKC, San Antonio, who have no interest in winning. But every other team, for the most part, like, look out. I mean, it's going to be uber competitive. But my expectation is over the Vegas over-under win total. And they should be a top four seed. Get to 52, 53, 54. Mm-hmm. You should be right in that mix for that four seed. Maybe you're the five seed, unfortunately. Dallas will be good again, right? So, I mean, there's going to be competition. Utah would be the other team, Judd, trying to figure out what exactly Utah is going to do. I think they want to lose. There's a kid in the 2023 draft that is said to be the best draft prospect in a while. This seven foot two kid from overseas that has a lot of the Chet Holmgren skill set. But he's bigger, stronger, maybe even a little bit more skilled than Chet Holmgren. So imagine Chet Holmgren, but two inches taller, you know, another 30, 20, 30, 40 pounds, whatever it is. Maybe it's closer to 20. But just imagine Chet with more weight, with two more inches, and, you know, a guy that's got all those skills, if not more skills in terms of outside shot, dribbling, all that stuff. So that guy will be in the 2023 draft. So there is incentive to be bad. Mm-hmm. Like you want to give yourself the best chance to have the number one pick next June. So I imagine that's the path that Utah is going to take. But they still have Mike Conley Jr. They still have Bogdanovich. They still have Jordan Clarkson. You know, Malik Beasley can be serviceable. Like they have some guys. So I'm still trying to figure out what exactly Utah is going to do. But I imagine at some point they punt. Like if they can make some trades right now, they will. Or in a couple weeks. So Utah, San Antonio... You've got Houston, and you've got OKC. Although Houston feels like they can make a jump this year with Jabari Smith with some other guys. you know. But certainly OKC, Utah, and San Antonio, they're not good. But the rest of the Western Conference, pretty darn good. Like, there's going to be some team that misses the play-in. That will be the 11th seed, where you're like, whoa, that team should have been a play-in team or a playoff team, right? Maybe it's the Lakers again. Right, and the Lakers feel like they'll be that much better. So yeah, the Western Conference is going to be a bear, but the Wolves should be really, really good. Final scoops, take us home. Sure. So Ben Johnson, go for basketball coach, up in Cherry today to visit with a 2024 recruit, Isaac Asuma. What Gophers fans should know on 2023 recruiting, yeah, a lot of time being spent right now on 2024, but you know, more urgent is 2023. So Taysen Chapman is the number one high school basketball player in the state. Senior Totino Grace High School. He is going to announce his college commitment tonight. Gophers fans, it's not going to be the Gophers. And I'll just say this. It's a two-way street. 
but it won't be the Gophers. Do not expect it to be the Gophers. It's not going to be the Gophers. You will see tweets with the Gophers listed as a finalist, people all excited. Hey, local kid making his announcement. He's got the Gophers among his finalists. Like, hey, he may be picking the Gophers. No, I'm not going to ruin the kid's announcement, but no, do not expect him to announce the Gophers. Nolan Winter, legacy recruit, Trevor Winter's son, senior Ah, Lakeville North. How about this, Judd? He is down to two schools, the Gophers and the Badgers. Oh, he this he's a, a bad. Oh, yeah, he could be a prototypical Badger, baby. Well, and Lakeville North has Pound that Badger pipeline, but you've got Dad, right? You've got Trevor, who oh, leads Bird and Gold. Yeah. yeah, and the Gophers have been working Nolan Winter pretty good, so that's an interesting recruiting saga to follow. He should be making his announcement at some point before the basketball season starts, maybe even in the next week or two, but certainly before the, the high school basketball season ramps up. Drew Strotman, Judd, can I just make a statement on Drew Strotman? He may never turn out to be a major league reliever, but the fact that the Twins lost him on waivers, and you know when you put a guy on waivers, you can lose a guy. But the fact the Twins decided to put him on waivers, not make the move on Emilio Pagan, is frightening. That is just an idiotic move. Moronic. And I'm telling you, Drew Strotman may never turn out. Right. Right. He's the other guy they got in the Nelson Cruz trade with Tampa. Right. He may turn out to be nothing. But there's at least some hope there. Yeah. Like, you don't just kick hope to the curb. There were other moves to make. But I'm telling you, an Emilio Paganjad, I'm telling you, don't be shocked if they end up tendering him. What are they or doing? is there some sort of handshake agreement where they non-tender, but they do end up re-signing? Like, they feel like Emilio Pagan can help them in 2023. I'm not making this Who up, is Judd. this? Like, who feels this way? I don't. Falvey? I mean, Rocco's seen the guy. Don't shoot the messenger. No, 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 but I'm saying I'd love to know, like, who's saying, oh, you guys don't understand. Judd, if they didn't want him here next year, they would have already made the move on him. Yeah, no, you're right. I don't disagree with you. I'm not shooting you. I'm just saying. He's under team control for next year. This is ridiculous. But he's under team control. Now, I'm just telling you, they could have some sort of handshake agreement where they non-tender, then re-sign him at a lesser number or maybe a comparable number to what he's making this year. Yeah. But, like, if you tender him, he's making 2-3-2-4 two, two, this year. You tender him, he'll go up to, like, 3-2-3-3-3-4. Three, two, three, 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 You're not paying a middle reliever. I don't care if he was good. I wouldn't pay Emilio Pagan $3.4 million yeah. next year. And the Twins have payroll flexibility, but I'm just not a firm believer in paying a middle reliever that sort of money. But if they want to get him back at 2 one and a half, they feel like they can salvage something, by all means. Aggregators unite. make... It doesn't make sense. Aggregators to me. No, it's really unite. It's more. This will be aggregated. It's more an educated opinion. Yeah, this won't no, be my. No. I won't be doing it. Yeah, I'm no, saying no, the aggregators. The aggregators no, right now they're it. gathering. I'm just saying my my hunch. All right, makes okay. sense. How All about right. that? If somebody wants to aggregate that, fine, so be it. But like I'm just telling you, think about it logically. If I, they didn't think he was part of their no 23 plans, no they would have already cut the cord. They haven't cut the I'm cord. D- I'm done. So just read between the lines on that. I'm That's done. All I'm saying. I'm just done with them. I'm <laughs> done. I'm you. sick and tired of them. All right, dudes. You. Talk to you on Thursday. Thank you. Okay. Sounds good, Judd. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. 
While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.